G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, let's get into our finance segment. Each week this time, we're going to look to address the questions that you have around Christians and money, whether it's around Christian perspectives on topical investment issues or biblical teachings, practical financial wisdom. Uh, There's an unlimited scope here. Uh, Tough questions. You know, maybe we should be calling it Stump Alex Cook. He's our special guest, founder of Wealth With Purpose. Alex is an expert on money, a career in stockbroking, then founder of a successful financial planning practice. He now leads Wealth With Purpose, helping to equip Christians to honour God with their finances by teaching sound financial skills based on the wisdom of the Bible. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. Alex Cook, special welcome along to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be back again this week. Alex, not a moment to waste in these segments. Uh, They're not long enough, but uh, we're going to make Mm. the most of these each week. Let's start tackling the question from listener Bernard, Mm. uh, who responded on our Facebook post. He says, what's money got to do with Christianity? And uh, maybe you can read into that, you know, what Bernard's sentiment might be in asking that sort of question. But Alex, how do we approach this sort of question? Yeah, look, I think it's a great question and probably an important one because, as, as you say, sometimes with money and Christianity, there's negative connotations. You know, there's sort of a, a cynicism that, you know, maybe the church just, want, just wants my money. So there's that kind of thing when people ask these questions. They wonder what's it all about. And, and you can understand it too also when you consider that the, the core Christian message is about um, trying to reach the world for Jesus Christ, trying to teach people about how they can find salvation through the Saviour of Jesus. And therefore, you know, ask the question, well, what's, you know, uh, Jesus as my saviour got to do with money? Um, but the reality is it actually has a lot to do with money, Christianity. Uh, in fact, the Bible talks about money more than any other topic. And the question you have to say, say yourself is, why on earth would the Bible talk so much about money? And I think the very uh, simple answer to that is the fact that money can take people away from a relationship with Jesus. Which is, as, which is the core purpose, of course, is helping people to find Jesus. And so if we don't address this issue of money in our lives, then there is a very good chance that money will take us away from God and away from having that personal relationship with, uh, with Jesus. And a really simple example I'd give you from, from Scripture is Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. It says, Remember the Lord... For it is he who gives the ability to produce wealth. Now, when I look at Australian society, you know, we're enormously blessed as a nation. It's very prosperous. Um, I think, though, that prosperity, though, has meant that we've forgotten the Lord. And many Australians, I think, live as though they don't need God. You know, the government takes care of them. Um, they've got enough money in the bank. They, they live very comfortable lives. And therefore, there's this sense, well, I don't really need God. Um, And I think that's because money has actually taken them away from God. I think if we were in a poorer nation, we'd actually potentially have a sense of a greater need for God and his provision in our lives. So that's the the, the first part to it. But I think the second part is more than that. And that is that 
God actually wants us to use our money to do good with it. And so that very much a calling on Christian lives is to, to be generous. And I think I would argue this, I guess, from two key points. One is, you know, we live in a hurting world and Christians should be using their money to help those in need, whether it's people who are poor, whether people who are being persecuted around the world, we should be using our money to do those things. And the second part is using the money that we have to spread the good news because, once again, if we come back to that core purpose, which is to teach people about Jesus, uh, to tell as many people around the world about his love for them and that he wants to have a relationship with them and that he died for them, it costs money to send that message around the world, whether it's through the airwaves, whether it's through sending Bibles, all those kind of things. It takes it takes money and resources. And that's why money and Christianity uh, are important and why you know we've created a whole segment on it uh, that we're doing each week so that we can help people to do well with their money and to do good with it as well. So hopefully that helps uh, Bernard. Good on you, Bernard. And I don't want to colour Bernard. Bernard's probably asking with a great motive here. But uh, if you ask that question with a slight sarcasm in your voice, you know, what's money got to do with Christianity? As though uh, this perception that somehow or other uh, money and Christianity means uh, the church has its hand in your wallet or in your handbag. And there's this sort of cynicism, isn't there, in some people and uh, perhaps we all need to address the question, uh, you know, does the church have its hand in your pocket? And uh, and I think it's a bigger, bigger response, as you've begun to describe there, uh, of what happens with our money when our money controls us. And it's not just about giving to the local church. It's about, as you say, Alex, uh, giving generously to meet the needs where, they're meet, where the needs are. What are your thoughts about, you know, different ways you can interpret that question? Yeah, well, look, I think some of the things, um, people's, I guess, history has been coloured by their experience. And so some of the, the classic things, I think, are the old, you know, the, the famous US tele, tele-evangelist where they, you know, they at the end of every episode, they ask for you to send in your donations. And then, uh, you know, a few years later, they get caught out with, their, you know, they've had their money in the jar, you know, their hand in the jar, touching the money, or they've, you know, shit on their wife and all these horrible things that you hear, all these kind of scandals. So often they, people are so associate money with scandal in many cases uh, and then of course there's inside the church itself where you have this um perception because churches each week you know they pass around an offering and of course that offering goes to very good use not only is it keep the lights on and pay the pastors and so forth but it's then used to fulfill the mission of the church but i think um some churches and i actually think this is very rare but it's it they still exist some churches are asking for money and potentially uh giving manipulating messages to do so you know they're, they're promising wealth if you give you'll be wealthy and so forth but that's a tiny tiny minority the vast majority of churches, they want money so they can achieve their mission, just like you know, business wants to make a profit so it can achieve its, its vision. So there is certainly a sense in which money um, can be used in a negative way. And look, we live in a fallen world and uh, people often act sinfully with money. They, they do, do the wrong things with it. They, you know, they indulge themselves with it rather than using it to do good. So, yeah, there's two sides to it. Money can be used in a negative way, but it also can be used in a really powerful, positive way as well. And I think the, you know, the key lesson from this and what we want to try and impart to people is you can do well with your money and you can do fabulous good with it as well. Let's come to one of the most current issues that many of our listeners might be thinking of right now, and that is uh, how I invest money. Of course, uh, 
a low interest rate environment and, you know, do you put your money into property, uh, stock market? Let's get a focus on the stock market for a few moments because uh, not everybody's cup of tea, but a lot of people very passionate about the way they can invest uh, in shares. Uh, the stock market, uh, there's been quite a significant volatility over this past year, but things seem to be booming in some places now. What are your thoughts for the current uh, stock market situation? Yeah, look, it's a great question. So just to recap on last year, last year was probably one of the most volatile years uh, that we've had over the last sort of 50 to 100 years. The stock market, when the pandemic really took off and we know countries went into lockdown, the stock market in Australia fell about 36% over a three-week period, which is probably one of the fastest falls ever. There's uh, been a few others like that in history, but um, compared to the global financial crisis 12 years ago, that fell 55%, but it did it over 18 months, whereas in this case, it fell 36% in just three weeks. So obviously, that scares a lot of people, particularly when you see that uh, breathtaking speed. Um, but then what's more remarkable is that over the last nine months, since since then, it has recovered pretty much all of those losses. So extreme volatility, you know, normally in a given year, you'd expect the stock market to trade in a range of around five to 10%, you know, up and down, occasionally a bit more, occasionally a bit less, but um, that's the sort of range. But last year was, you know, 36% down and then recovering all. And in the US, even more extreme. So that's the, that's the kind of thing. In terms of going forward, um, the message I always give to people when they ask me, you know, where's the stock market? Uh, going this year, uh, the answer is very simple. Uh, I haven't got a clue, and nor does anyone else. Even though there's you know commentators out there all saying you know this year it's going to do X, Y, Z, it will go up five percent, ten percent. No, the reality is no one knows the future. There's all sorts of events that come from left field, you know, like the pandemic that no one was expecting that will drive it. So that then leads to the question: Well, if no one knows the future, should I actually put my money in it? And if so, what do I do? Well, the reality is if you're going to put your money in the stock market. Um, which is a very legitimate long-term investment, but you do need to have that long-term view. So the reality is you should not put any money into the stock market for which you're not willing to have a time frame of around seven years minimum, okay? So this is why people often put a lot of their retirement money in there uh, because it's got a long-term time frame. If I'm 40 years of age and I'm not going to retire till I'm 65, I've got a 25-year time frame. So having a lot of money in the stock market that volatility becomes essentially irrelevant over the long term. On the other hand, if say I'm a 25 year old and I wanna buy a house in two years time, you wouldn't put any money in the stock market because the risk is that if you put some of your money in there that you wanna use for a deposit and the stock market falls like it did, then it may mean that you have less money for a deposit for a home when you wanna buy it in two years time. So time frame is a big driver there um, as one of the considerations um, that people should have. Um, when it comes to investing in the stock market. Alex, oftentimes we'll talk about speculative investments and uh, we'll look to the stock market and uh, we might have a few spare dollars and thinking, well, I've got something here I can do something speculative with. And supposing there is volatility, as you say, and there are some ups and downs and there are some corrections in the stock market and you pick your timing when some uh, perhaps blue chip stocks are at a low and you think, uh, a few dollars invested there may well see a recovery and I may well do much better than investing anywhere else. What about the idea of being speculative? For some people, they think of it as gambling. But is there wisdom that you can apply in a business-minded sense as a Christian? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I'd probably distinguish between speculating and investing. So I think of them as two words. So with a stock market, you can speculate or gamble, if you like, if you want to use associated gambling with speculation, um, and, and therefore you're putting your capital at risk and so forth. Um, from a Christian perspective, I take the view that the money I actually have is God's money and I'm called to steward it on his behalf for his purposes and so forth. So that means that when I'm investing in the stock market, I should have the view that I want to buy good quality assets. So you, you used the word before, blue chip. I want to buy blue chip assets. So these are companies perhaps that have been around for a long time. You know, it could be like a company like AGL, which is the oldest company on the Australian stock market, you know. And all of us at the end of the day, we need gas and electricity in our houses. So that's a good, you know, it's an essential service. That's the kind of thing um, that's, you know, blue chip stock or, you know, a company like Woolworths or any of those sort of things. Companies that are likely to be around rain, hail or shine, that kind of thing. That's your blue chip. And that to me is investing. Speculating, though, is where you're buying things that you don't really understand them and you're buying them just because they're going up. And you're hoping it's going to go up further. And that's often what we refer to as the greater fool theory. And that is, you know, you buy something because uh, you, you see it's going up and then you're hoping that someone else is going to buy it off you in the future as well at an even higher price. Whereas, so that's speculation. And that's something I believe Christians as a general rule should avoid because you're putting money at risk and you may lose it. And that's money that could have gone to, you know, good purposes, whether it's supporting your own family or supporting others. Whereas okay. investing, on the other hand, is that long-term wealth creation for purpose. Let's talk about where you might start. If you're listening to our conversation today, you've been toying with the idea that you might become an investor in the stock market, uh, looking for some relevant ad advice, uh, some uh, insight into getting a start, uh, doing it in that sort of Christian, ethically right way. But you have this motive that, yes, you do want to increase your wealth. And sometimes Christians are afraid to talk about that. But I think the name of your ministry organization, Wealth With Purpose, just indicates this idea that wealth is good, but your purpose Purpose is uh, where the motive is, and that needs to be a biblically aligned purpose. But if you want to get a start in the in the stock market, uh, some uh, some advice on where to start here. Yeah, look. So I'd probably say to people then go down two avenues. One avenue is what I call the, the do-it-yourself avenue, and the other avenue is you get advice. Um, as a general rule, if you're starting out in this, I think it's always prudent to go and see someone who's got experience, who can really guide you and help you to avoid making mistakes. Uh, you know, the great benefit of financial advice, whether it's a stockbroker or financial planner, is mistake prevention, okay? That's the, the really benefit of advice. So that's that option. Option uh, two is if you, as I say, you do it yourself. And what I'd encourage people, if they're gonna do it themselves, is be very clear about what it is you're trying to achieve. So be clear, am I investing for the long term? You know, am I investing for my retirement or am I achieving a, trying to invest for a specific purpose? So that's the first thing you wanna understand. The second thing is allocate, work out how much money have you got and how much capital do you wanna to allocate to the share market? Um, this is what we often refer to as asset allocation. But how much are you willing to put at risk in, a, in what is a volatile investment and an investment that does require a longer time frame? So work that part out. How much money are you willing to put into something that is going to go up and down in, in you know, potentially volatile manner? The third thing then becomes, okay, I've worked out how much I'm willing to allocate. Now I'm going to choose some investments. And you can go down two paths here. One is you can go and buy blue chip shares, your stocks, uh, blue chip shares yourself. 
you know you can set up a an online broking account and you can go and buy you know big blue chip companies like bhp and telstra things like that and create a portfolio um, my view is you need at least 15 shares to get adequate diversification so that's one option well option two is you can buy what they call managed funds and these days they've even got what they call exchange traded funds where it's a basket of shares that's already made for you and you don't have to pick the shares yourself you just pick the fund that you're in and there's australian share funds there's international funds there's a few different things um, and that's giving someone else if you like the ability to choose those assets for you so that's a few things to get you started but as i say probably the biggest encouragement i'd say to people is to get advice you know having the wisdom of others particularly those who've you know gone this path before will be uh, invaluable to you and as i say the key benefit of advice is mistake prevention well alex this segment is going to be way too short for some and we are going to have it this time each week and so the encouragement is for listeners to participate in this segment. So if you've got a question, 1-800-316-316 and uh, we'll get you through to our feedback option. So you can ask that question, we'll play it to air. You can call during the segment or you can leave a question on the Facebook post. There's a post on our Facebook page this week. It's facebook.com forward slash vision radio and you'll find the Ask Alex post. Simply post your question there if you have some thoughts just in Alex's last response there. No doubt there'll be a lot of questions that listeners might have if you're pursuing a investment strategy that's going to include the stock market. Alex Cook is the founder of Wealth with Purpose. You can go to wealthwithpurpose.com, free ebooks. He's got a, a, a thing there called My Toolkit. You can get free videos, there's podcast content, and there's also a Facebook page for Purpose Wealth, uh, Wealth with Purpose. And uh, you can follow Alex on Twitter at Wealth Purpose. Alex, great getting your insights once again. Thanks so much for joining us on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you always. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 